The Perfect Ten with Steve Allen, voice of the NRL and six-time radio award winner. Yeah, welcome to it. And now one of my great mates. You might not know his name, but you'll definitely know this voice. Hello, my name is Antonio Panteras. The ultimate list of the best of the old with the best of the new. Gladiator. Movies don't come any bigger. Russell Crowe in the Oscar-winning masterpiece. Two tribes, ten survivors. (laughs) Hendrix made it rock in the 60s. Bob Peters, welcome to The Perfect Ten. Uh, Great to see you. Uh, Just tell us where the radio career began for you. Uh, Well, I was pumping gas in my old man's servo till I was about 19, probably about 18 actually, and one of his customers came in with a disco uh, set up in the back of his van and his, my old man said what's that he said oh it's discos for the kids playing music they make money he said take my son will you he's costing me money because <laughs> I give all my mates free petrol and stuff so anyway I ended up getting a, a chance to have a go at DJing did that ended up his partner was the program manager here at 2GO and after a bit of badgering I finally got a gig there were songs like uh, Ebony Eyes Bob Welsh uh, there was also you know Black Betty from Ram Jam there were all those great late 70s rockin' songs and then the disco came in with uh, the Bee Gees Saturday Night Fever all that sort of stuff and then I sort of progressed into radio in 1980 What was your first role at 2GO famous station back then? All I wanted to do was hear myself on commercials, funnily enough, because I wanted to hear myself back then. And unless you were driving home and hearing your ad, you wouldn't hear it. So I'd like to get myself on the air as soon as I could, but I was never quite up to speed at the start. So I was carting, which is putting commercials that had been recorded from the big reel-to-reel tapes onto small cartridge players so the guys could play them in the studio. So I would start at like 11 o'clock at night and finish at 5 in the morning. That was my first gig. Probably three months later, they ended up giving me 11 till 1, 11 p.m. till 1 a.m., and then I would do the carting, so I was on air from two hours. Eventually, that moved back from uh, from 11 till 1 to 9 till 12, and I still do the carting for a while, and it just went on from there and became a, a full-time jock probably about six months after that. In those early days, was there a mentor for you? Pete Little, who uh, is now in charge of Community Station here on the coast, and he gave me uh, some lessons, and I got some lessons from a, a former Sydney radio guy, in uh, his house at the back of Narara. I can actually remember the house. Uh, eight lessons at $8 an hour. And uh, that was my career uh, start. When was the first time? Was there any recollection that you had this incredible voice? Because as we all know, it's a great tool and you've got to work at it and it matures over time. But when did someone say, man, your voice is incredible? Um wasn't for a while into my career uh, until, like, you know, as you say, you, you develop your voice, you get into a certain style, and, and it just happens from there. So I reckon about 83, 84, it started develop and, to develop and mature, and I found that after nights on the grog, it would drop an octave or two. And we do encourage uh, responsible <laughs> drinking on this podcast. Always at home. And uh, I found that things like that would help it drop, and then it would stay sort of lower than it was. And it eventually got to this point where it is now, and it's just been great ever since you know it rumbles from the bottom up first thing in the morning you know it's like rumbles through my head it's great you know some mornings i'll wake up after a night out and i go i've got to get to the studio and record this is just too good to waste bob you haven't always worked on the coast you worked in sydney as well i actually i left 2go and went to coast rock which was a new station starting on the coast and i did breakfast there i was also programming got it to number one and had the first child of four and I was working like 12 hours a day. I couldn't do it, so I just went back to breakfast. We ended up beating 2GO, and then I got a job offer from my old 2GO boss to go down and work with him at 2WS in Sydney. So I went down there in the uh, in the early 90s and stayed there till about 2000. 
when I got a job at the Sydney Olympics doing the cycling announcements for uh, road and track and the velodrome. Uh, that was fun. And then from that, Channel 9 picked me up. And I started doing just voiceovers um, professionally for about 10, 12 years after that. Tell us about WS back then. Legendary station that was AM at first and then flicked to FM. But tell us about their lineup and in particular some of their news team. Uh, there was Greg Hendricks, great old, uh, great old news journo, but he's passed. Uh, Steve Raymond was there. Uh, we had Glenn Daniel was there. Some great news readers, uh, Georgia Meisenhelder, who's now at uh, Sky. Also, my doctor's daughter, Gemma Coates. I got her into radio, and she's now broadcasting, uh, reading the news out on the ABC, and also, uh, I think, Sky as well. And I also worked with, uh, on breakfast back then, it was Hans and Kaylee, Hans Torb and Kaylee Harris. Then it was Pete Graham in the mornings. Pete always rated a at or above station average. He'll love me saying that. Uh, then there was Rob Neal on Afternoons and then me on Drive. Uh, and that was a lot of fun. It was the best fun I've had. I guess 2GO and 2WS were two stations that I had an enormous amount of fun. And radio is fun. It's not really a job. My dad once said to me, he said, if they ever invent a job where they pay you for doing nothing, you'll find it. So I said, Dad, I found it. So you've always had a love of the medium. Always had a love of... Yeah, of radio. I always used to listen to it. As a kid, I remember my first real search for a station was when we went to Blue Lagoon Caravan Park. We used to live in Sydney. Uh, this is when I was about 11. And we came up to Blue Lagoon. We used to come up every summer. And we were searching and searching for a radio station. You couldn't find anything, right? 1972, late 1972, we're up here on holidays. And all of a sudden, there it is, 2GO. So that was my first experience in tuning into radio. Then there were other times where I'd be listening to the radio at night time and songs like David Bowie's Space Oddity would come on. And it's like a 12, 13-year-old. I'd be under the bed listening to this song and freaking out. And magic of radio came to me there and then, you know. It's like, you know, you can do things. You can create uh, a visual uh, in someone's head just by the things you say and, and the, the effects you play. You know, uh, the magic of radio is just it's marvellous. I love it. Tell us about your voiceover career because it started at nine and I remember the first phone calls you got. Something that completely threw me. I was driving to work one day down at WS and around about the Hawkesbury River Bridge, I got a phone call from the guys at Channel 9. And I knew it was Channel 9 because I had it on my phone. I was like, oh, I've got to pull over for this. It's either a yes or a no. Pulled over and it was a yes. So um, I had done some previous stuff for them. And knowing how much I got paid for that stuff, I'm thinking, wow, I'm not even going to work today. So I rang them up and said... I'm not well, I'm going home. <laughs> but it, it was great. I never knew that there was uh, so much reward for voiceovers and, and subsequently became my number one uh, avenue of revenue. Uh, and I did a little bit of radio on the side as well here at 2GL and WS. I do casual stuff. The break I got from the Olympics was what set it up. Then Channel 9 helped me through and I, I was there when Ken Sparks was there. Uh, Steve Britton, who's still there, he's a legend, Steve Britton. We got on really well. So you realise that you can be handsomely rewarded for Story. your vocal ability. Yeah, 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 which completely blew me away. It's like someone said to me, it's money for jam. I'm like, what do you mean? Well, it's money for nothing. I'm going, okay. What about character voices? Because I know you've got plenty. W when did that start? And is one of your goals to be in some kind of animated feature? Yeah, I, I've actually had a couple of bits in, in some uh, ones that have been made in Europe. But I didn't really start paying attention to animated features until I had kids, right? I was always a big Bugs Bunny fan growing up, you know, and all the characters there, Rocky Bullwinkle and stuff, and uh, learned to sort of do the catchphrases over the years. And then when the kids came along, it was my go-to, you know, with the kids. They'd be watching TV and they'd be watching, say, Rocky Bullwinkle, and I'd go, Hey, Bianca! And she'd turn around and go, What? <laughs> it's Dad! 
<laughs> let's uh, let's finish. Nearly every time I see you, you'd have to surgically remove the South Sydney Rabbitohs hat. Tell us about your lifelong love of South Sydney. Well, it stems from my dad. Dad came out here in uh, 52, ended up with a bunch of boys that uh, moved into the cross and subsequently started playing football. He later went to Nowra for a mechanics job down there, played with the country rugby league down there, actually represented New South Wales country. He had a blazer. Well, one day my mum had no idea. Smith Bailey came along and she just gave away all these clothes and one of them was that blazer. Dad never let her forget that. (laughs) But from that, Dad's uh, involvement with rugby league, he jumped on the back of South Sydney and as a consequence as we were growing up it was South Sydney South Sydney been South Sydney through and through I've got the tats I've got so many South Sydney things at home it's unbelievable there's like a little homage to the team in my living room yeah no I'm mad keen South man always will be did the ground announcing like you do in 2006 nothing but kudos for you and uh, and what you do with the NRL 2014 one of the best nights of your life absolutely and I looked around I swear to God I've never seen so many grown men crying and laughing at the same time the most magical rugby league experience of my life I'll never forget it have you had a favourite player? Eric Sims when I was younger. Eric Sims was my number one player. Then um, Longbottom, Dennis Pittard. And then uh, through the uh, 70s, Mario Fennec, Craig Coleman, uh, David Boyle, Les Davidson. Uh, the 80s, the late 80s was a great time, although we didn't actually win in 88 or 89. We should have, but we didn't. Finally, have you got a philosophy or a mantra or some kind of motto that you live by? If it feels good, do it as long as you're not breaking the law. I don't know. Mantra with work. Just play the game. Enjoy yourself and play the game. It's not work if you're having fun. And that is part one of The Man Behind the Voice. What an incredible set of pipes. Bobby Peters. And we'll continue next week with Bob's thoughts on the radio industry and also managing with a life-threatening illness. Right now, let's go to The Man in the Soundproof Booth. The Perfect Ten.